to another episode of the Paranormal Rabbit Hole. I am your host with the most, Hunter, here to give you another cryptid this week. Um, and this is one of the good ones. It wouldn't be on my Mount Rushmore of cryptids. Um, that's probably going to change sometime because I keep finding even better cryptids to, to enjoy. Like right now, for sure, Van Meter Monster on my Mount Rushmore. Just saying. Um, but yeah, Mongolian death worm. Let's do it. It sounds like it. Well, hang on a second. Let's back up. Mongolian death worm. First of all, that sounds like a pretty wicked heavy metal band name or a death metal band name. Like, welcome to the stage, Mongolian death worm. You know, just player and death metal. I can see it. I can see it. That's my heavy metal band name, Mongolian death worm. Somebody's probably already saying it. <laughs> to be honest, somebody better have taken it. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. Mongolian deathworm, pretty friggin' awesome cryptid. Um, and it's kind of a weird cryptid, and it's paranormal in a way, uh, because nobody can find it. Um, but we're going to talk about that just a minute. <sighs> of course, right now... I got to do that preamble. You know what I got to do. Go on to Instagram to the Paranormal Rabbit Hole Podcast. Type that in, all one word. And uh, follow us there. Also, go down to the bottom of this. Scroll to the bottom and give it five stars on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Um, and just go ahead, five stars. And we're going to get it out on YouTube, I promise. Um, but anyways... Main thing here, folks, big thing is give it that five stars because unfortunately the friggin' algorithm for the star system is jacked up beyond all belief. Uh, for most apps, if you don't get five stars, they count it as a zero, which is ridiculous. And it's the, it's the same with retail when you do those surveys. If you don't give them a high rating, they count it as a zero automatically. Um, like if you, if you do, they'll do like, if they so please send in private shoppers or select shoppers or, you know, undercover shoppers to go in and test your uh, customer service of your stores. And if you miss just one tiny thing, they'll jump on you for that. So it's it's weird. It's weird and very reductive. Um, but anyways, let's go ahead and talk about the Mongolian deathworm. So, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, um, with the Mongolian deathworm, you have this sort of it's like it's like it's like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness monster. This sucker has been coasting on pure belief alone. Like I, I don't know what started it. Like if it was a massive, like big deal and 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 you know, at a certain time in the past that these creatures were like maybe really abundant and everywhere. And they also could, you know, uh, let's say could that they were widespread enough that plenty of people saw them. And that's where the myth started. You know, that, that could be part of it. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, these legends persist for a reason, apparently. And that's because they are, they're real. These creatures are real. They have such a steadfast belief, and a lot of people think that they are, 
just their the lore around them is just as so even though yes it's more than likely a made-up thing in reality the only thing that's made up is what it can do not it itself you know so that's that's my hypothesis as to why this legend has persisted is that maybe at one point in time these things were widespread and now they're a little less widespread and they maybe like tremors stay underground you know like if you remember the tremors movie or if you've seen the tremors movie uh they kind of stay submerged until like until near the end of the movie they just kind of hang out there in in the dirt and and suck people down into the dirt or they just loosen the soil and get them and then pull them in and that's how they get them uh maybe that's how these things hunt so let let's jump right right on into it um it it in Mongolian deathworm its native name is Olgoi Korikoi Korkoi oh I butchered that Olgoi Korkoi which means intestine worm due to its red blood-like color and size which is that of an intestine um which is pretty freaking big it has been described by many from being two to seven feet long and have the ability to spit out a corrosive yellow saliva, generate blasts of electricity. Uh, that last part is why I say, you know, there may be a little bit of a, a you know, uh, fantasizing this creature a little bit with that because, you know, blasts of electricity. But, I mean... Let's be honest. It's not far fetched. I mean, we have we have beetles. I think we have a lizard too. There's a lizard or a gecko that can do this. That have liquids that can, you know, when crossed, are are combustible. Not like literally combustible, but they're like a. It almost acts as an acid. It's like it generates heat. So it's not far fetched. That's why people think dragons aren't far fetched. Is because of the bombardier beetle. Um, and also there's a lizard that I, I know there's a lizard that can do it and it sprays it from its tail. Um, so it's, you know, and we have electric eels. It's not far fetched, not far fetched to have a bio, uh, electromagnetic system. We have electric eels. We have, you know, all, all types of crazy things. So, uh, but the corrosive yellow saliva possible. Um, the, they, you know, the legend is, is that these things will crawl through the sand, pop out, spray their prey with the, 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 that acid shit, um, <laughs> the acid saliva. Um, I couldn't think of, of saliva, uh, but they would spray the, the, the prey with the acid saliva and then, you know lives further up above the sand and bites on and that paralyzes, you know, it has maybe a venom that paralyzes its prey 
or it just hooks in and just, you know, does that suction thing to where it just brings the prey into its body and into its mouth. Uh, I think a, a lot of this didn't kind of get out. The Mongolian deathworm legend didn't get out until after the the fall of the Soviet Union, um, like in the 90s. You know, when it, when it started coming apart because, you know, the Americans had made them spend so much money. Um, it, it wasn't known. It was this legend. This creature wasn't known about until that time. Um, and, and honestly, like I said, it could be because in the past, these creatures were probably, if real, were probably so widespread that they, you know, had a, had, they were, I mean, they were, if, if real had a place, you know, they were, had a place in the ecosystem. And then of course, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe people ate them, um, and their numbers just dwindled. You know, I I don't know any I can't, I can't I can't say anything to that aspect of you know people eating them, and that's why we don't see a lot is because they were you know widespread, and then people were like, oh, let's eat them. They're eating us. Let's eat them. Uh, you know, payback's a bitch. Anyways, eating giant Mongolian deathworm for dinner. Uh, it's, it's, sand it gets everywhere. It's, it's, it's. um, <laughs> I don't know. But it it's it's something different. Like they but they they have, you know, three to seven foot red worms in the desert. Those worms are probably going to burrow underground during the daytime because it's so hot. They'll bur- they they'll burrow deep underground to where the cool ground is, so they can stay cool and moist, and they'll stay down there mainly until the nighttime, and then they'll come up and bam go after their prey and and that well in at least in my opinion uh that that makes sense it's logical that a creature like that would probably be nocturnal in its in its hunting and its predation that's why people aren't seeing it it comes out at night. Maybe it comes out when it's coolest at night, which would probably be around 12 to four o'clock before the sun comes up. When that sun starts coming up, boom, back underground. And they're a probably from what I understand of their length, they're probably not gigantic worms. They're, you know, seven feet long. So they're probably around, they're probably big enough to, I mean, they could be the size, they could be as big as a, a Python or as big as a friggin' you know, a log, like a lumbered log, like, you know, one that's like a telephone pole. That's how big around they could be. You know, never know, never know. But that kind of thing could hide deep underground at night, come up and, and predate and go back underground. I mean, they may, they, hell, they could spend 99.9% of their lives underground only coming up to hunt. Maybe if that, you know, they may spend their entire life. They may hunt underground and only come up like 1% of their life, just like zero or 0%. Really? They may just kind of like, oops, what? Not supposed to be here. Uh, I'm not saying that's true because they'd probably predate 
predate on animals that were up top, like cattle, something easy, small cats, dogs, people, uh, other small animals like goats, snakes, lizards. Um, heck, they could probably snack on a few small lizards to keep themselves, you know, from dying. Um, heck, what if they're like a, a sarlacc pit? You know, they stay buried, and the only part that's that that comes up to the surface is their mouth, and then they spray acid on something that falls into their mouth, and they just, or they just pop and then drag it down, or who knows? I don't know. That would be pretty cool, like a sarlacc pit type of creature. Um, but I mean, these are also important questions because they've sent expeditions out, guys. Like, let's let's see. Let let me take a look here. Um at the expeditions that they sent out. Uh, when was it? Shit. Uh, ah, they, the zoological society sent one out and around 2000 and they put out traps, uh, left stuff, you know, wow. They let, they left stuff out. Like they, they put stuff out for them. Like, traps like uh jurassic park like a goat on a stake they left something tangible behind for them to eat and and come out of the ground for and and while each time they did it no no cameras no pictures were taken no camera footage was taken um it's it had zero evidence each time results were inconclusive and it's crazy. That's crazy to think. Um, so we have this giant worm that is out here in the middle of the desert messing stuff up <laughs> and eating cattle. And uh, it, it's in top predator probably out in the middle of that desert. Um, you know, I, I don't, maybe, maybe people would eat these things. I'm not sure. They don't really, none of the, none of the stories or the, you know, the articles that I've read about it, um, have any kind of acknowledgement of people eating these things. So, that, like I said, that just may be a possibility of why they're not as numerous as they once were is that people started eating them. And it makes sense because if you think about it, look what happened to the dodos. We started eating those suckers and now they're gone. Or so we thought, Harry Potter. Uh, because in Harry Potter, there's, you know, dodo birds. Or the, Well, they're not dodo birds. That's not their name in Harry. But anyways, not important. I mean, it's important because it ties in, but it's not important. So we have, we have, but I mean, look, that, that, all that aside, even though these researchers and all of these like TV shows and, 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 and people like that have come out looking for this thing, people believe in it like very heavily. Heck, even, even, you know, cryptid hunters and, and, you know, um, paranormal investigators and everybody that researches cryptids and enjoys cryptids believes in this thing because it's, it's almost like you're just sitting there going shit, man. Every single bit of this is a possibility. Every single 
kind of like it, it all makes sense. It, it does make sense, and it's a logical creature. It's a very logical creature, a giant worm that has acid spit and can discharge electricity. We have electric eels, we have bombardier beetles, we have we have you know creatures with venom, so it, it they can spray venom instead of acid. But it it's not even a it's not even a far-fetched idea. And I think that's what is so crazy. And that's what is so believable about it. Um, like there, there are a few eyewitness reports, but of course it's always people, you know, saying that they saw it, you know, go after something and then they saw it, you know, shoot out electricity whenever anybody got near it, any, any, like any farmers got near it or something like that. So they would talk about, you know, just sightings like that vis-a-vis, attacking like seeing it attack something and you know it's always the oh it attacked my friend's sheep and he went and you know tried to kill it but it shocked him it sent electricity through him and killed him that kind of a thing you'll always have those kind of stories um and it, and like you'd like just like dragons it's not dragons aren't impossible at all and all of the cultures around the world have dragons Every culture has dragons. Every single one. Every single culture has sea serpents. And, you know, giant giant aquatic monsters. Now we know most of them are whales and sharks and stuff like that. But, you know, a few of them may be a little more, you know, stranger than, than truth or fiction. Either. Literally either. Heck, who would have thought that in 1990-something there would be a resurgence of the Komodo dragon? And, you know, man, those things are like a dominant species now. They are the they are one of the top predators. 100%, just like killer whales and great white sharks. Top predators. Apex predators. You know, really, no, uh, unless pe- except for people, unless people eat Komodo dragons, because they are kind of... Uh, outnumbering people on their islands, um, the Komodo's islands, the Komodo islands. Anyways, it, it's still, like I said, with the electricity and the acid spit, it's still plausible. It's very plausible, eerily plausible, because this, this is, I mean, like, oh God, I mean, it, it's again in the descriptor, all of these things have a, a equal in nature right now of, you know, we have the, again, electric eel has its own electrical charge. Like it, you, there's videos of these things getting attacked by like caimans and the caimans just sitting there dying from electricity. You know, and it sucks for the eel too, because the eels dying in the caimans jaws locked in. So kind of a lose-lose situation there, but they, we, we have that, we have electric eels. So again, like I said, let's think logically underground, like tremors, like the graboids, you know, the graboids sit there and they'd attack Kevin Bacon and they'd be like, you know, Hey, we're coming from the ground up hunting at night from the ground up could take out people herding sheep, the sheep at their selves. Tons of possibilities. Not, not impossible, this creature. So, um, 
again, we have very few eyewitness accounts and they're all very typical tangible stories of, you know, I saw this and I saw, you know, here I saw one laying out and it, you know, rose up, saw me and then went into the sand and it, you know, you could feel static electricity in the air when it, you know, went into the ground or, um, these are exact stories. Um, you know, they saw it attacking one of their, uh, friends, you know, horses because they're, they're, you know, they're very nomadic people. They have, uh, horses to get around most places and if not horses, motorcycles. So, you know, it, there's stories of them attacking horses, cattle, uh, dogs, cats, um, birds that land on the ground, lizards that are just running on the ground. They'll just kind of come up and snatch them and go back down. Uh, that kind of, those kind of stories. Now, are those hundred percent reliable? Not really. And it could be just because, you know, one person sees it and then, Oh, everybody else sees it now. You know, uh, kind of a, a need to belong in a, in a bigger story. Like, oh, this guy saw the Mongolian death worm. I'm going to say I saw it because people get excited when you've seen it. And I'm missing out on that attention. They'll listen to me if I say I've seen it. You know, we have that. We have a lot of that, I'm sure. Um, You know, those, as with any cryptid, there's probably going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, well, yeah, me too, me too. Um, Now, I, I will say there's one exception to that, and that seems to be, Honestly, from my research, Mothman, like people were genuinely terrified. They were, they, no one wanted to see Mothman. They, they did not want, they've heard the legends were like, nope, don't want any of that. Don't want to do that. That's not, that's not going to happen. You know, it was, so, it was, it's a lot like that. Like you were, it was kind of a curse almost. You didn't look on it like, oh, I had, you know, oh, I had an alien experience. Oh, I had a paranormal experience. You never looked at it like that. They, they never, none of the witnesses looked at it like that from what I understood and what I read and what I've, you know, listened to. They were like, oh, no, if you saw the moth and you thought of it as a curse, like you thought of it as I'm screwed. So you didn't want that. You didn't want to be able to tell your friends that you saw Mothman. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. I, I get that. I really do. I understand that. But it, it's that's how Mothman is. And, you know, not every other monster is like that. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I want to be in the hustle and bustle of it and have that media attention. And I want to have people focus on me. So I saw a Bigfoot. You know, I saw a Bigfoot. Oh, he saw it. Well, I, I saw it too. You know. It. Sometimes it can be passed along as a way to draw people in or for tourism like sometimes you know people think oh what's a big cryptid tourist site? Loch Ness come on Loch Ness big cryptid tourist site huge uh Lake Champlain Champ that's a big tourist boom Mothman big tourist boom now Mothman kind of unluckily a big tourist boom because you know, all the shit that happened was kind of bad. So um, it, it's not like you're going, oh, yay, Mothman. Let's have a Mothman. You know, <laughs> you don't want a Mothman. 
you want a champ or a Loch Ness, something you can market, something that people will buy souvenirs for. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those that's pretty pretty obvious. Like this one could, but you know, here's the thing. And here's why this is also more believable because nobody's going, oh, I went to Mongolia and got this little cute stuffed Mongolian death worm. Nobody's doing that. Now, there are places that make stuffed death worms, and that's pretty cool. That's great. But, you know, nobody's going out to Mongolia and going into the Gobi Desert and going, I hope I see a death worm. And if not, I'll go to the gift shop. It's not like that's happening. So that's also another point for the Mongolian death worm in its existence in the real world is because it's just so palpably believable and logical. Why not? Why not? So, um, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I lo- I love the Mongolian death room. Like to, to think about it, acid spit, dissolvability, spiders inject venom or, you know, a venom or a poison into their, prey that you know can paralyze it and then there's an enzyme that you know liquefies their insides so they just drink their prey's insides why you know what's to stop an animal from having that being able to spit that on the outside to make their prey more but then again you probably want to liquefy their insides to to make it more you know easy to eat technically so you'd want to be able to continue your your feasting without having to worry about fitting your mouth around a giant cow and you know pulling it into your gullet and then going back underground inject an enzyme to where it liquefies and you just eat the thing whole and go underground retaining your you retaining your same size you could do that 100% these creatures live underground until they need to hunt, come up to hunt, go back underground. I guarantee you, if they are real, that is the exact movement they do. And you need to be out. If you're going to be out on the Gobi, you need to be out on the Gobi at night. And I know it's cold at night. Deserts are colder at night. I get it. But that's where you need to go. 100%. And just truck on out there middle of the night to to like 4 a.m. and hit these different spots at those times. Then you you might have a better chance of seeing a Mongolian death worm if they exist. I think they do. I honestly think this exists. This is something that's very palpable and believable. So I give my 100% check mark of approval and existence to the Mongolian death worm. Uh, just like the Van Meter monster. That thing was so cool. So right up there with that, uh, but not not up there like the Van Meter monster is on the Mount Rushmore. It's close, but the Mongolian deathworm is definitely a BA in my opinion. Um, and, and I fully 100% wholeheartedly give it my thumbs up approval. Uh, I don't know about you guys, you know, but like I said, let's get out there in the middle of the night. And let's catch us a Mongolian death worm. Okay? We can do it. We can do it. You and I and us and we. All right? All right. Yes. Now, 
that's it for the show, boys and girls. Um, this is a short one, I know, but this one's better. I liked this one. I enjoyed this one. It's super freaking awesome. Um, and again, go check us out on Instagram, Paranormal Rabbit Hole Podcast. Um, uh, we're getting a YouTube page soon. Would you go there? Go to the bottom here. Give us a five star. Just drop it there. I know you're tired of hearing me say it because I'm tired of hearing me say it, but it really helps the show. But yeah. Go down there to the bottom, scroll down, and hit that five-star button and walk away. All right? Enjoy. And also, thank you for going down this paranormal rabbit hole with me. Good night.